This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Osborne, and I'm covering all things Magic basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show with your boy, Jonathan. It is March 9th, 2020. It's a Monday, and it is a great day. It's a great week to be an Orlando Magic fan. Before we start talking Magic basketball, hope you guys had, had a great week. Plenty of crazy stuff going on out there. You know, the, the coronavirus and everything like that. Everybody's freaking out about it. Make sure you guys are taking the proper precautions. I can't believe that we have to tell people this, but make sure that you're washing your hands, you're coughing into your sleeve, you're covering your mouth, you're doing whatever you need to do. If you're sick, stay home. Don't bring your illness to work or to school or anything like that. But man, just stay safe out there. That's all I've got to say. Great UFC this weekend. I don't know if there's any UFC fans out there, but there were a few incredible fights. The fight of the night, the the women's strawweight championship fight. I'm not even going to try to pronounce either of their names. I know as one is like Zhang Wei Li and Joanna. I I'll never be able to say her last name, so I'm not even going to try. That was Forget about the best women's fight that I've ever seen. That might have been the best fight overall that I've ever seen. And then my boy, the last style bender, Israel Adesanya. That fight with Yoel Romero was absolutely trash. Just completely boring fight. Within the first minute of that fight, we just, we knew exactly how it was going to go. You see Ro- Yo- Yoel Romero just standing there with, it, with his hands up, just kind of watching Adesanya go back and forth. And that was basically the entire fight. People that are arguing that Romero won that fight, I don't know what you're watching. Adesanya, clearly when it comes to you know, overall strikes, punches, kicks, just not even a comparison. And then in a fight, you kind of always give a little bit more leeway to the aggressor. And Adesanya was obviously the aggressor in that fight. But man, great weekend. Great weekend for myself. Went to Magic Kingdom with the family pigged out and I felt completely terrible all day today. I just can't help it. When I when I go to Disney, that's what I'm there for. I'm there for the food. I hit up, um, what do we get? We got the uh, cheeseburger spring rolls, which were absolutely phenomenal. If, if you're not a big Disney person, I really urge you to go to Disney just to experience the level of culinary art that is within those parks. It's just ridiculous, especially when you go to Epcot. I'm going to stop right there because I could talk on and on and on and just talk forever about Disney and Disney's food. But you guys are here to listen to the Orlando Magic. Hopefully this is your home for all things Orlando Magic news, game recaps, all that good stuff. So we're going to start where we start every single week with the weekly state of the Orlando Magic. So the Orlando Magic went 2-2 two and two on the week with losses at home against Portland on Monday night and Wednesday night in Miami and with road wins over Minnesota on Friday and Houston on Sunday. Little uh, insight here. I wrote this intro before the game tonight. Knew we were going to beat Houston. I just had a funny feeling about it, but whatever. It turned out to be correct. I didn't have to rewrite that. Orlando currently sits with a record of 29 wins and 35 losses 
8th place in the Eastern Conference, a half game behind the 7th place Brooklyn Nets, and four and a half games ahead of the Washington Wizards. As of Sunday afternoon, Basketball Reference had the Magic with a 99.7% chance to make the playoffs and a 62.1% chance of playing as the 7th seed in the first round of the playoffs. So if that projection holds true, we would have a rematch of last year's first round series against the Toronto Raptors. This past week, a little bit scary news, Steve Clifford had been battling an illness, some kind of cold, and due to not being able to eat from a a loss of appetite on Friday, found himself severely dehydrated Friday night. Cliff was forced to leave the bench in the third quarter due to dizziness, took uh, one of the, um, I think his name is... uh, Eugene Ern, I might have his name completely messed up, but the head athletic trainer for the Magic went back into the locker room with him, was evaluated, later went to the hospital uh, due to his history of heart issues. He received an IV at the hospital, started feeling a lot better, was released, and has been cleared to return to all of his head coaching duties, which he did so tonight against the Rockets. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So let's talk about Monday against the Portland Trailblazers. Portland came into this one without all-NBA guard Damian Lillard, who is still recovering from a groin issue that he's been battling since just before the All-Star break. The Magic were without Aaron Gordon due to some right knee inflammation he had been dealing with. Gary Clark would start in his place. Orlando went down 7-0 before going on a 10-0 run to take on an to take an early lead in the first quarter. The Magic found themselves up by as much as six points in the opening quarter before Portland just kind of took over and took a 35-28 to lead into the second quarter. With a trend lately of having rough starts, it was kind of encouraging to see the Magic respond early. You know, we said they were down seven, went on a 10 to nothing run, but the Magic really couldn't do much of anything to stop C.J. McCollum, who had 17 first quarter points. A few missed assignments, but he really was just knocking down tough shots in that first quarter, and really the entire night for that matter. Magic struggling defensively found themselves down 11 at the end of the first half, allowing Portland to score 69 points in that first half. The starters went on a strong run in the third quarter to cut the deficit to two with 4.13 to go in the third, but Portland was able to push that back out to uh, to, to four heading into the fourth quarter. And then in the final quarter, Portland was all over the Magic from the jump, bullying the bench unit, extending the lead to 101-92 to with 9 minutes 13 left before Clifford decided to bring some of the starters back in except for Ross and Fultz. For some reason, Clifford did not bring them back into the game until the 5-minute mark where the Magic found themselves in a 15-point hole. Within two minutes, that then turned into a 20-point lead. Clifford pulls the starters, and this one was basically over. Magic end up losing 130-107 to after the game. Steve Clifford commented that the result of the game was incredibly disappointing. He did not see it coming. He added that this team is not good enough offensively to defend the way they have been over the past couple of weeks and that there are too many guys picking and choosing when they want to play defense. We're going to save those quotes for a little bit later on in the podcast. C.J. McCollum finished with Portland, uh, 41 points on the night. Gary Trent Jr. also added 24 points. For the Magic, Nikola Vucevic ended the night with 30 points, 11 rebounds, but a team low negative 25 plus minus. Terrence Ross added 23 points, 5 rebounds. Like Clifford said, overall in this game, the issue was the defense, which has really been slipping since the team's offense has been improving. As of right now, the team just hasn't been able to put it all together. And I remember talking about this at the very beginning of the season, 
when the Magic were struggling to score the ball offensively. We said, you know, if the offense can catch up to the defense, you know, the beginning of the season, healthy Jonathan Isaac, they were playing pretty solid defense. Uh, but as soon as the offense started to pick up and we saw any kind of drop defensively, I mentioned that that was going to be an issue. If this team starts to score and then they feel like they can rely on the offense and we start to see some slippage defensively, it's going to be a huge problem. The last few weeks, it has been a huge problem. Moving on to Wednesday night, the Magic headed to Miami to take on the Heat. Aaron Gordon returned to the starting lineup after missing the previous game with that right knee inflammation that I mentioned. Orlando actually got a decent start in this game, uh, but Miami was able to stay in the game largely due to hitting 5 out of 12 threes in the first quarter, which would prove to be a precursor for the entire game. With 9.42 left in the first quarter, Evan Fournier took a nasty fall. He was chasing after Derek Jones Jr., who was on a fast break. He fell, planted his right arm, hyperextended his elbow, seemed to be in a ton of pain, thought he was going to be finished for the night, but was able to finish the game, put on uh, a, like an elbow brace, finished the entire game. So toughness out of Evan Fournier there. After giving up two threes to Duncan Robinson in the first quarter, he was able to follow that up, hitting five of five three attempts in the second quarter. And if it weren't for a huge 17-point second quarter from Terrence Ross, this game would have gotten out of hand very quickly. But the Magic went into the half down five, 60-55. to 55. With how well the, the Heat shot the ball in this game, it's kind of difficult to say that the defense was better in the second half. But the Magic at least felt like they were playing with more purpose and more attention to detail. Magic able to outscore the Heat by one, heading into the fourth quarter, then down four. The fourth quarter for the Magic was pretty much all Terrence Ross as he added another 15 points to his total, but down one with just under five minutes to go, Markel Fultz hits a huge pull-up jumper to give the Magic a one-point lead. The Heat would then hit three threes on their next four possessions to take an eight-point lead with a minute 55 left in the game. Terrence Ross would hit a huge three on the next Magic possession to cut the lead to five. Vucevic hit a turnaround hook shot with 32 seconds left, cut the lead to three. Aaron Gordon did a pretty nice job on Jimmy Butler really throughout the entire game, but especially on Miami's final possession to come up with a stop, keep the Magic alive. Clifford drew up two out-of-bounds plays that were defended perfectly by the Heat. He had to use a timeout, actually drop another play. Ended up getting a really good look for Aaron Gordon, which was like the second or third option on the play in the right corner to tie the game, but Aaron was not able to connect. Magic lose the game 106-103. to After the game, Steve Clifford said that largely the loss was on him, stating that in shoot-around before the game, the Magic didn't really spend a lot of time on how to defend Duncan Robinson and didn't have a good plan B on how to stop him. They made some adjustments at halftime, did a much better job on Duncan Robinson in the second half. He said at shoot-around, they mostly went over how to stop Jimmy Butler, which in all fairness, they did a pretty good job of that. My issue really comes to Duncan Robinson being like a 43% three-point shooter on the season. How do you not go over how to cover him in shoot-around? That's just, obviously, Clifford has come out and said it's completely on him, but just pretty frustrating that, you know, Duncan Robinson going off for what was it 27 points you know 9 of 12 from 3 if the Magic are able to corral that in a little bit possibly they're 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 winning that game uh, or at least heading to overtime with it with a chance to win that game 
Uh, Goran Dragic also added 25 points, and Orlando was able to hold Jimmy Butler to 12 points. I mentioned that Aaron Gordon played really stellar defense on him the entire night. For the Magic, Terrence Ross goes off for 35 points, 12 of 18 from the floor, 8 of 10 for 3. Nikola Vucevic with 22 points, 16 rebounds. Evan Fournier added 17 points and has since been diagnosed with a UCL sprain to his right elbow. It's currently unclear how much time he will miss. On to Friday night in cold Minneapolis, Minnesota. Evan Fournier would miss his first game due to that sprained right elbow. Carl Anthony Towns was out as he's missed the past few weeks with a left wrist fracture. The Magic were able to take advantage of a solid start and a poor shooting first quarter for D'Angelo Russell to take a 22 uh, 29, excuse me, the 24 lead into the second quarter. Terrence Ross, DJ Augustine, and MCW combined to go a perfect 9 for 9 in the second quarter. That bench unit extending the lead, and the Magic take a 10 point lead into halftime. Magic kept the defensive pressure up in the third quarter, apart really from not being able to contain Malik Beasley, who scored 19 of his 29 points in the third quarter. Midway through the quarter was when Clifford exited that game. All of a sudden, you just didn't see him on the sideline. Once again, he wasn't feeling well due to some dehydration issues. Glad that Coach is back and feeling better and that it wasn't anything serious. We know that he's had you know, some issues with the old ticker in the past, but he says he's feeling much better. It wasn't anything to do with the heart, just the, the dehydration issues. But the third quarter was also a good showing for a few starters. Aaron Gordon, Nikola Vucevic, and Markel Fultz as they all added eight points in the period, extending the Magic lead to 19 heading into the fourth quarter. And then, pretty bizarrely really, uh, Ryan Saunders, the head coach of the Timberwolves, doesn't play D'Angelo Russell or Malik Beasley at all in the fourth quarter. The Magic took a 21-point lead with seven minutes to 31 Seven minutes, 31 seconds left to go in the game. And, you know, that's usually when a coach starts to bring all of his starters back in. And it's not like it's an insurmountable lead or anything like that. I mean, 21 points, seven and a half minutes isn't ideal. But we've seen crazier comebacks in the past. You know, if you, within, you know, four to five minutes, if you can get that lead down to 11 or 10, really anything can happen. But uh, Saunders must have just decided it was over. I, I really have no idea as to why. Uh, after the game, he mentioned in his press game, uh, his, his post game press conference, that he didn't want to put those guys back out there cold. But I, I just really don't agree with that. You put your best players in the game, give them a few minutes to you know cut the deficit down and, and see where you are at, at that point. But anyways, the Magic coast to a one thirty two to one eighteen win in Minnesota. Big night from the big guy, Nikola Vucevic with 28 points, 12 rebounds. Incredible game from Markel, 24 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Shot 11 of 14 from the floor. 18 points out of DJ Augustine. 15.10 10 rebound double-double for Aaron Gordon. 16 points from Terrence Ross. 17 points from MCW. Just a really well-rounded game from the Magic offensively and, and you know defensively at times, especially um, in that fourth quarter. It was against the the second unit, but what are you going to do? So on to Sunday night in Houston. Wes Awundu got the start in his hometown as Evan missed his second straight game with the right elbow sprain. Wes Awundu's second straight start for that matter. Houston on the second night of a back-to-back, losing to Charlotte on Saturday night. 
And I would say in the opening quarter, the Magic defended okay. Houston missed some open looks but was getting to the free throw line way too much. Luckily, they shot just 6 of 10 from the free throw line. Magic up 10, 34 to 24 after one. Second quarter, the Magic absolutely blitzed the Houston Rockets. Magic saw their lead extend up to 25 points at halftime. Bullying the Rockets on the glass, out-rebounding them 31-15, to leading to 22 second-chance points in that first half. Playing with great hustle, great intensity on defense, doing a great job moving the ball around, getting good looks offensively. Aaron Gordon filling the stat sheet in the first half. 12 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 1 block, just really inflicting his will on the game. I also think he was like a, a, a team best plus you know, 30 points in this game, just something really ridiculous. 13 points out of DJ. Magic scored a season high 71 points in the first half, up 71 to 46 at the half. Third quarter, the Magic were really just able to keep the pressure on Houston. Great hand activity on defense, causing deflections, poking the ball loose. The offense just continued to buzz. Each time Houston started to push, the Magic would push back, entering the fourth quarter up 105-76. to Magic were able to push the lead up to 32 points in the final quarter before Houston went on a run to cut the lead to about 21 or so. And then Orlando was able to hold off the Rockets until the 4 minutes 41 mark left in the fourth quarter before Mike D'Antoni would pull his starters, wave the white flag, Magic win 126-106. to Aaron Gordon finishing the night with 19 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. Mentioned that he had a game high plus minus. DJ Augustine, 24 points. Vucevic, 16 points, 16 rebounds. Markel Fultz, 18 points, 5 assists. Terrence Ross, 16 points. MCW, 16 points. And played great defense on Russell Westbrook. Same goes for AG. They both did a really great job on Westbrook and Harden the entire night. And in the first half, Aaron Gordon actually had an exchange with NBA official Bill Kennedy after being clobbered on a few possessions with no calls. Just looked absolutely pissed off. Aaron Gordon played the rest of the first half with as much controlled rage as, as that's really the best way that I can describe it, controlled rage, and was just all over the place fighting for rebounds, scoring off second chance opportunities, getting deflections, blocks. It was just awesome, but great win for the Magic once again, 126 to 106. So that wraps up our recap of this week. Once again, the Magic going 2-2 two and two on the week. I want to talk about a couple of things here uh, to close out the show. So mentioned some issues that I'm having with Steve Clifford. Uh, going back to the Portland game on Monday night, so criticizing guys after the Portland game, saying that guys were picking and choosing when they wanted to play defense. So this is a trend that we've seen for multiple weeks now as the Magic's defense has been slipping. Since the All-Star break, the Magic are 28th in the league in defensive rating They're giving up 116.3 points per 100 possessions right now. So it's no secret that the Magic are not playing up to their ability defensively. What we have come to, you know, really expect out of the Magic. And Clifford realizing this, seeing guys like, you know, Evan Fournier, uh, you know, Nikola Vucevic, Markel Fultz, whoever it is at this point, right? Nobody is really setting the world on fire with with their defense lately. And my biggest issue is that Clifford realizes the problem. We know, you know, that it that it's an issue with this team, especially recently. And he's not doing anything really to to change it, right? 
Uh, we're, we talk about you know C.J. McCollum just lighting the magic up. Um, Markel, not Markel, Michael Carter-Williams did an okay job at times on McCollum in that game, but largely we just didn't have an answer. You have a guy in Wes Wundu who has been rotting on the bench you know, the last couple weeks since James Ennis has been starting. Throw him out there. See if he can give you any kind of spark. See if he can slow down C.J. McCollum. See if he can bring some energy and help the, the team get back in that game. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, we, you know, he, he 30 points in that game against Portland. But we know that you know guys just driving the lane at Nikola Vucevic the entire night. Hassan Whiteside was killing Vuce at times. And instead of going with, you know, like a, a Mo Bamba or something like that, see if a guy can, you know, just, just send, send a message is basically what I'm trying to say, Steve Clifford. If you know your guys aren't playing defense, if you know you have guys who are picking and choosing when they want to play defense, not playing up to your standard, sit those guys. Who cares what they're giving you offensively? If they're just giving up points defensively and you, you know you have a good chance to lose the game, just send a message. Sit those guys. Let them know. If you're not going to bring it defensively, I'm going to try to find a guy who will, right? And then let's talk about Mo Bamba, right? So had a great game a few weeks ago in that first half against Atlanta in, in like 16 minutes, had like 15 points, right? And then before tonight against Houston, the previous two games played seven minutes in each of those games. Now, played 14 minutes tonight against Houston, which given there what people are calling the pocket rocket lineup, which is I, I find that absolutely hilarious. But the, the previous two games, we're talking about the game against Minnesota, the game against the Heat. Mo Bamba plays seven minutes. I tweeted this huge thread out today, basically expressing my frustration. I mean, Mo has definitely got to be frustrated. The the front office, the organization is is selling, you know, this message to the fans of how important it is to make the playoffs this year, right? That's the reason that, you know, we we trade for a, a James Ennis, the reason that we brought Nikola Vucevic back to this huge contract, the reason that we brought Terrence Ross back. Uh, you know, the reason that, you know, we're not playing the young guys more and, and kind of turning the, the keys over to those young guys is because it's so important to play meaningful games in March, in April, in the playoffs, right? But if you're not going to play Mo Bamba, the kid has definitely earned his 14 minutes a night. In my opinion, he sh- should probably be playing closer to like 17 or 18 minutes a night, you know, just given... You know, we talked last week about some of his per 36 numbers, and let's see if, if those, you know, if those predictions, those projections, if there's any weight to those. Give the kid some more minutes. See if he can get into more of a rhythm, you know, more experience that he gets, you know, the, the, the better his odds of developing a little bit quicker are going to be. But if you're not going to put him out there in those meaningful minutes, if you're not going to give him any opportunity to play with better players, to play with the starters, especially Markel Fultz, who he seemed to have flourished with at times, it's just really frustrating. You're sending this message to the fans, but then the way that you're handling the rotation at times says the exact opposite, right? Bringing in James Ennis, not allowing him to really earn a starting job, a guy in Wessawundu, a young guy who we picked in the second round, who nobody really had much expectations for. Now, for the second year in a row, he's, you know, the last couple of games with Evan been out. He's now starting. He's playing in a big role. We're competing for playoff position. We're competing to, you know, to play in the playoffs, for God's sake. We're playing in meaningful games. 
Nobody expected that out, out of Wes Awundu a few years back. But Wes Awundu is a kid who's been playing well, who's been working his tail off the entire year. And now you trade for James Ennis. What was it like? I don't know, four or five games in maybe. And Ennis is starting. Now, Ennis has played really well in the starting lineup. The starting lineup has played really well with James Ennis. Don't get me wrong. I was wrong about the fact that it was kind of an inconsequential move because it's turned out to be pretty consequential. But I still don't like the way that Wesley Wundu lost his job. So stuff like that, stuff with Mo Bamba, kind of irks me the wrong way. Some of the things that Clifford has handled as far as a, a roster standpoint so far this year. So... Uh, and then my next thing, unable or unwilling to make in-game adjustments. Perfect example, Duncan Robinson, you know, the other night in Miami. Killing us in the first half, right? I think he hit something like seven threes in the first half. And once again, you've got a guy like Wessa Wundu on the bench. You say after the game you don't have a, a, a great plan B for Duncan Robinson. You've got Wessa Wundu sitting on the bench. Throw him out there. Give the, give the kid a chance. See if he can slow him down. Tell him to go out there with the, the sole purpose of trying to slow down Duncan Robinson. Now, they made no adjustments to the scheme or to how they were covering Duncan Robinson. Basically, probably just telling guys, you know, try to stay with him. Don't give him any space. Stuff, you know, to, to that effect. Now, Duncan Robinson was knocking down some contested jumpers. Don't get me wrong. But we have seen other issues in the past. I mean, we'll talk, you know, back to last year. And I'm not saying, you know, that a coach has to be perfect. And Steve Clifford is not perfect. So I'm kind of I'm kind of nitpicking when it comes to, to this fact here. Uh, but we just have seen him in a lot of situations unwilling or you have to have the question, is he unable to make those in-game adjustments on the fly? Now, they went into the locker room broke down whatever was going on, spoke with the other assistant coaches, made those you know adjustments on Duncan Robinson in the second half, and they did a much better job on Duncan Robinson in the second half. But at times, I just question his ability uh, or his willingness to make those in-game adjustments. And talking about stubbornness, which we're going to get to in a moment, maybe he's stubborn to do so. You know, It seems like at times he's stubborn to switch up his rotations. Mo Bamba, a kid that has played so well recently, right? Not giving him any more minutes. Uh, you know, rotations that we've seen just that just don't work. If we're talking about like the the DJ Augustine and Michael Carter Williams uh, rotation, if Michael Carter Williams is off the ball, that just makes absolutely zero sense. But Steve Clifford still keeps trotting them out there, sixty plus games into the season, right? We're talking about the the Michael Carter Williams and and Markel Fultz, you know, offensive lineups makes absolutely no sense. Basically, at that point, you're playing four on five every single offensive possession. And if you have like a a Terrence Ross or an Aaron Gordon or a Nikola Vucevic who is initiating the offense, basically you're playing you're playing three on five at that point because those guys are just standing in the corner. It just absolutely doesn't make any sense. Still completely blows my mind. Steve Clifford is not perfect. Let me stress that. And the people that are out there saying, you know, we need to to fire Steve Clifford or anything like that, you're just off base, right? First of all, the best coach that we've had since Stan Van Gundy, right? And looking at the guys that we had, that's not really saying too much. But the best coach that you've had in eight years, you, you don't want to fire the guy given 
the roster that he's dealing with, given all the injuries that he's had this year, way too early. To, and if we did fire this guy, we bring in another guy. We're bringing in like what, like the the seventh. So let's talk, Jacques Vaughn, Rob Borrego, Scott Skiles, Frank Vogel, Steve Clifford. Okay, so you'd be bringing in the sixth head coach if you count Stan Van Gundy. You're bringing in the seventh head coach in like the ninth last nine or ten years. That doesn't look good from an organization standpoint. What head coach, given you know the hand that Steve Clifford has been dealt this year, what head coach is going to look at that and be like, oh yeah, that I would love to have that job. Not many guys are going to want to come in. It gives you know the the essence that you have an unstable organization that your management doesn't know what they're doing. Now we're in the third year of of John Hammond and, and Jeff Weltman, so I feel like at times the perception that. Orlando doesn't exactly know what they're doing, which we hear sometimes from the national media when we talk about Nikola Vucevic bringing him back on a big contract, talking about playing Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac together, which I still think they're very capable of doing that. When we talk about not bringing in shooters, a lot of people are like, man, what are the Magic doing? Now, I feel like a lot of that gets kind of lumped into the past you know, seven or eight years when we talk about you know, Rob Hennigan and all the, the crappy just idiotic moves that he made. Uh, but anyways, talking about Steve Clifford, it's way too early to fire the guy. He's still a good coach. Uh, I had some questions about earlier in the week about whether or not the team is starting to tune him out sometimes as far as what he says. Philip from Orlando Magic Daily made a great point that if the players are, are tuning Clifford out, it's on the players because they were nothing before Clifford got there. And that's completely true. When I made that statement, I wasn't trying to blame Steve Clifford or to you know signify that maybe we need to make some kind of coaching change. If you're going to make any change at this point, which I do think that you need to do, it needs to be overhauling this roster, holding on to a few key pieces before you were to make another coaching change. But Clifford's not perfect. I still think he's the right coach right now for the Magic. I think he's the guy. You don't fire him until you're ready to go and get the guy that's going to you know make the next step in you know, make you a championship contender. We're still a few years away from that. It's not time to fire Steve Clifford. I will battle anybody on that any day of the week. Just let me know. Next thing that I want to talk about, last couple of games, we're starting to see some trends now, right? I want to talk about, are we better without Evan Fournier? Are we better, at least offensively, right? So I I went through, I've been looking at some numbers, right? And for me, three games in, it's way too small of a sample size to even start leaning one way or the other better with or without Evan. It's just way too small of a sample size. The first game was back in January, January 15th against the Lakers. We went up 20 points, 20-point lead against the Lakers two separate times before they came back. We ended up winning that game by one. And then the last two games... You know, Friday night against the Timberwolves and then Sunday night against the Houston Rockets. But let's look at some of these numbers, right? So in 2019, 2020, now this isn't excluding the games with Evan, but those three games aren't going to change the overall 60 plus game sample size. So 2019, 2020, this season, the Magic are scoring 107.3 points per game per 100 possessions, and they're giving up 108.6 points per game per 100 possessions, or not per game, but per 100 possessions, and they're playing at 98.65 possessions per 48 minutes, right? So 107.3 offensive rating, 
108.6 defensive rating, 98.65 pace, right? So let's look at the Magic's record without Evan Fournier. So in three games without Evan so far this year, the Magic are 3-0. Wins against the Lakers back on January 15th, and then wins this Friday and past Sunday night against the Timberwolves and the Rockets. So looking at the Lakers game, the Magic had a 114.4 offensive rating, a 113.5 defensive rating, 104 pace. So significantly better offensive rating, significantly worse defensive rating, played at a little bit quicker of a pace, which is something that people are saying. Putting the ball in Markel's hands, good things happen. The offense plays at a quicker pace. We're able to actually get out and run without Evan. So, I mean, we talked about Vooch. When he was out at the at the beginning of the year back in November, the Magic actually played basically at the same pace at, that they did with him. So looking at this upswing in pace, these games without Evan, kind of leads me to believe that it's possible that Evan is slowing down the pace of the Magic, even maybe just a little bit, right? So looking at the game against the Timberwolves, a 129.4 offensive rating, a 114 defensive rating, 102.5 pace. So significantly higher offensive rating, significantly worse defensive rating, but again, playing at a quicker pace. Against the Rockets Sunday night, a 121 offensive rating, 101.9 defensive rating, playing at a 104 pace. So once again, significantly better offensive rating, even a significantly better defensive rating against the Rockets and a 104 pace. Now, what I'll say about the Rockets game tonight is we talked about this a little bit ago. The 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 size of the Magic playing against that pocket rocket style that the, the Rockets have been playing, not playing with a real center, not playing with a center at all, really. Um, the, the Magic really gave them a lot of problems. I, I think that in their current constitution, now the Rockets missed a lot of shots Sunday night as well, uh, but the Magic, given their makeup, could give the Rockets a lot of issues. Now, we won't see them in the playoffs, obviously, because they play in the Western Conference. The Magic are not making the finals. I don't think the Rockets are making the finals either, for that matter. But, just saying, just on a given night, now we've already played the Rockets twice. We won't see them again for the rest of the year. But, once again, in the current states, the Magic are a matchup issue for the Houston Rockets. Other thing that I want to add, just because of the fact that so many people have been mentioning it, Markel Fultz is also averaging... 21 points per game in those three games. Now, disclaimers, okay? Three-game sample size, very small sample size. But with Evan being out, it it does open the floor up, obviously, for Markell to have the ball in his hands more and, you know, have some more shot attempts. But Markel Fultz definitely also has to feel the weight of, without Evan, I need to be more aggressive in these games for us to have a chance to win. So... Right now, I'm taking it with a grain of salt. So, uh, post-All-Star break, the Magic are number one in the entire league in offensive rating at 117.8 points per 100 possessions. But again, like I mentioned, post-All-Star break, the Magic are 28th in defensive rating, giving up 116.3 points per 100 possessions. So, are the Magic better without Evan offensively? I'm not ready to say one way or the other. I'm not going to say yes. I'm not going to say no. I it Evan has been arguably our best player all season long, our most um 
consistent player all season long. So I I never really believe that. I don't believe in in what Bill Simmons calls the the Ewing, the Ewing theory, where a team plays better without you know one of their best players. I just don't really believe in that. If you're going into a playoff series, I want my best players on the floor, right? But if Evan is going to miss some extended time with this UCL sprain, which I think is the same you know ligament that pitchers have issues with in the MLB just from that rapid, rough, repetitive motion that requires some of them to have Tommy John surgery. Now, this is you know more trauma-based. He fell, caused the injury. It's not like a, a repetition thing that caused it. So it's definitely not ser- as serious as like a, a pitcher would have. But we don't know how long Evan is going to miss. We don't know if it's going to be a few games. We don't know if it's going to be a few weeks. We don't know anything at this point. The Magic don't put timetables on their injuries. But we may have a few more games to kind of flesh this out a little bit further, get a larger sample size, and see if we can you know, build some more evidence one way or the other, whether or not the team is better or not without Evan Fournier. But I must say, it has been more fun to watch, right? Guys are getting out and running, putting the ball in Markel's hands more. He's able to be more aggressive, uh, you know, even Aaron Gordon seems like he's been a little bit more aggressive. Really, that's been the last couple of weeks, but especially the last few games. Um, but it, it's too early for me to tell, but only time will tell, as they say. So looking ahead before we close out the show here, this upcoming week, the Magic take on the Memphis Grizzlies on Tuesday night in Memphis. The Magic are 1-0 against the Grizzlies this season, absolutely demolishing them. 118 to 86 back on November 8th. But this is a much improved Memphis team since then. This is a matchup between two teams that are fighting for their playoff lives. Memphis is still there in the eighth spot as New Orleans is still closing in. A few teams are still, you know, the Spurs and stuff like that are trying to close in and take that eighth seed from the Memphis Grizzlies. And then on Thursday, the Magic are back home to take on the Chicago Bulls who as of today, Monday, have lost three games in a row. They play Cleveland on Tuesday night, who actually have been playing some pretty competitive basketball in the last couple of weeks. So there is a chance Chicago could lose that game, and then they would be coming into that game against the Magic on Thursday, losing their last four games in a row. So you know at that point they would be hungry for a win. We have not seen the Bulls since December 23rd when we beat them 103-95. to After that matchup on Thursday, the Magic will see the Chicago Bulls one more time before the end of the regular season. And then to end the week, the Magic will take on the Hornets as they come to the Amway Center. The Magic are 2-0 on the season against Charlotte with an average margin of victory of 17 points in those two wins. But still not a team to take lightly, uh, but definitely a winnable game for the Orlando Magic. Huge week for Orlando as they have a chance to pick up some wins and can close out the road trip 3-1 and one with a win in Memphis on Tuesday. And with Brooklyn actually firing their head coach, Kenny Atkinson, there's no telling what's going to happen with the Nets over the next couple of weeks. It's a huge opportunity for the Magic with a fairly favorable schedule over the next three, we- uh, three weeks to pick up some wins and potentially overtake Brooklyn once again for that seventh spot think we still have one or two games against the Nets before the end of the year here. So still got some opportunities there. Um, actually, ex or old head coach Jacques Vaughn of the Orlando Magic is now the interim head coach for the Brooklyn Nets for the rest of the season. So 
you give me that information, I'm feeling pretty good about the Magic being able to overtake the seventh seed from the Nets before the end of the regular season. So uh, really quickly before we end the show today, I did want to mention, everybody knows, start of this year, the show kind of went through a transition period with Will leaving the show. Uh, I mentioned at the time that I would be kind of passively or actively looking for a co-host to bring into the show. So I am looking for a co-host to bring onto the show. Like I mentioned uh, when we made this transition, this is not something that I take lightly. I take this show very, very seriously. Uh, I make a lot of sacrifices for the show, not looking for anybody's pity or anything like that. Them's just the facts as they say. Obviously, I make sure that I cut out time every single week, make sure I'm watching all the games, I'm preparing the podcast, recording the podcast, doing the best job that I know how to bring you guys the best show that I possibly can. So in looking for a host, I do have pretty high standards. You know, I'm looking for someone that is, you know, reasonably, you know, knowledgeable about the team. And and to be honest, they need to be very knowledgeable about the team as I feel I am. Uh, They need to be extremely passionate about this team. You can't do this every single week and put forth the effort, uh, put forth the energy, uh, and enjoy doing this and stay committed to this if you're not immensely passionate about the Orlando Magic. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to work out, right? Uh, I'm looking for a few other things. Like, you know, you have to be able, once again, you have to be able to put in the time for this. It's a, It really is a huge commitment. I'm not going to shy away from that be completely upfront with people. So if you don't feel like, you know, you can make sacrifices every single week and and, and make the time to not only watch every single game, uh, but prepare for, you know, episodes and and stuff like that, um, you know, then this might not be the the best fit for you. Obviously, there are a couple things that are a plus if you have any experience, uh, if you have experience with public speaking, because hundreds of people listen to the podcast every single week. So, you know, you want to be prepared for that. You don't want to be afraid of, of uh, you know, people hearing you, you know, on you know a podcast and, and stuff like that. So, uh, but I'm looking, you know, for a co-host, guys. If you or anybody that you know might be interested in that, uh, please, you know, let me know on Twitter, DM me. Maybe we can set up some time to to talk. You know, if you want some more information, or we can talk more about what I'm looking for and and see if you might be a, a good fit. At the end of the day, I'm looking for somebody that loves Orlando Magic basketball, knows their stuff when it comes to basketball, uh, and, and wants to have fun. That's the biggest thing when it comes to this is to have fun recording the podcast, getting ready for it. If you don't enjoy it, you're, you're not going to stick with it long term. And if you don't enjoy it, chances are the listeners aren't going to enjoy it either. And that's really the biggest thing at the end of the day. So long story short, looking for a co-host. If you're interested, please let me know. We can talk more about what that might look like and see if you'd be a good fit, if we'd be a good fit together. We got good chemistry, all of that good stuff, whatever the case may be. I am looking at a few dates. I don't want to announce anything just yet, but for my Tampa area listeners, I am going to be putting together another uh, get-together, another outing together in a few weeks. Uh, Actually, right now, the date that I think I'm looking at is probably going to be March 23rd. The Magic are taking on the Brooklyn Nets that night uh, in Tampa. I always have to check to see if the Lightning are playing that night because if you go out to a bar, chances are there's a big Lightning crowd there, especially as we get a little bit closer to Tampa. But I already checked. The Lightning are not playing that night. So it's probably going to be that night. I'll confirm that in the next couple of days. March 23rd at the Buffalo Wild Wings on Tampa Road in Oldsmar. So if you guys are free that night, please come hang out. It's always a great time. Even if you're in the Orlando area, 
If you want to meet some Tampa area Magic fans, make the drive over. We always have a great time. So March 23rd, be there or be square. Guys, we got about five weeks, six weeks, something like that of the regular season. Uh, Really looking forward to the playoffs. The Magic just need to keep climbing up those standings, secure that seventh seed. Right now it's looking like that will end up being a rematch against the Toronto Raptors, but this time without Kawhi. Raptors are still a great team, but Kawhi, man, he makes a huge difference in a playoff series, but can't wait to be back at the Amway just with that playoff crowd. It's going to be amazing. Man, can't wait for the playoffs, but that's all I've got so far for this week, guys. Ending the show here. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Six Man Show. This has been your boy Jonathan. I will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!